Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Chin Up Goggles, the new generation of vision training. Its simplistic design eliminates downward vision, improving a player's spatial awareness, anticipation, skill acquisition and execution. The findings have been supported by scientific research in CIT, now MTU. Be sure to visit chinupgoggles.com for more. Welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 47, I am delighted to be joined by Dublin Lions head coach and one of Ireland's up-and-coming coaches, Aaron Bracken. This is probably one of my favourite episodes to date as we delve deep into all things coaching, beyond basketball and universal traits that all coaches can learn from. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi Aaron, thanks a million for coming back on the podcast. No problem, thanks for having me. So we're going to get into all things coaching, uh, but you have a new role this year since our last chat uh, last year. Take us through what's been happening for you over the last couple of months. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose on the basketball front in terms of coaching, I'm now taking over the Dublin Lions men. So I was the assistant coach, I think, the last time I was talking to you, um, and we were kind of planning for our season of National League, but now we're still doing the same, but I'm the head coach now, so it's a little bit different. Um, and then, yeah, I've taken up the role of Basketball Ireland as well as the South Dublin um, Development Officer. Brilliant. So I suppose I asked a couple of people for questions to come in and one of them in particular was um, deciding to pursue men's basketball and kind of going down the route of pursuing the men's game. And I suppose as a female, how do you find that going into a male dominated um, aspect of the sport and how come you didn't maybe pursue the female side of things at the adult level? Um, I suppose it just kind of made sense at the time. I was after doing my master's in Belfast and I had a good relationship with Rob White from Dublin Lions and he was the head coach there and he needed an assistant. So when he reached out to me after completing the master's, it just made sense. Um, I mean, the same year I was actually offered the Liffey Celtic Super League head coaching role, but okay. like I had played with them the year before and it just made sense for me to kind of go with the men and kind of learn as an assistant rather than me stepping into a head coaching role with all my friends you know like and it that's yeah. just the way it happened it was kind of by chance really I hadn't didn't really have in my head at that point that I was going to pursue you know the men's team and um, okay. my first kind of stint of coaching men was with Jordanstown when I was up there as part of my scholarship I coached the men's university team and mm-hmm. you know that was fun and I really enjoyed it and then when Rob asked me to come on board with the men in Dublin Lions it kind of just seemed like a no-brainer and um, like we had a good relationship like I respect him a lot and I'm always learning from him so it just really made sense for me to step in there and um, I don't really feel like you know as a woman that it makes that much of a difference for me just because I'm just comfortable with it at this point like mm-hmm. I just kind of I have a good relationship with a lot of the lads or all the lads that I coach um you know, and I'd hope that it was reciprocated, but it's it just makes my life easier. Um, it you know, you're you're coaching those people and you're coaching basketball, and you know that's it doesn't really kind of bother me that it's men or women or you know like it it is basketball and it's people that you're dealing with at the end of the day. What were some of those lessons that you learned during your time as assistant coach coach with the Lions? Um, oh God, there's so many. <laughs> Probably we reflected so much on it throughout the year. Like, I mean, we played, we were playing Super League that year. When Rob first asked me, I don't think he really, he probably thought they were going to end up getting promoted. Um, okay. I think he had in his head, like, like promotion was probably never on the cards and it was to build in National League for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got promoted, I suppose we were quite out of our depth, even though there was lots of games where, you know, they were quite close and we probably like should have won, but we mm-hmm. didn't, you know, we were up with a couple of minutes to go and all that crack. But 
um, you know, you just learn a lot about the game at the highest level. Like, you know, like we both had a responsibility of watching a lot of video. You get to watch some of the best players in the league, you know, like week in, week out and like learn from them, learn from their tendencies. You get to talk to a lot of the coaches, like a lot of the coaches in the league are actually very helpful as well that you can reach out to them, you know, pre-season, during the season and, you know, chat to them about different things. So really just like the standard, like in terms of execution, the difference between playing National League and playing Super League, like is quite big. Okay. Did you notice a difference with the lads in terms of the lessons they learned and kind of evolving during that time in the season and now when they're coming back now and kind of taking those lessons from the Super League to back to National League now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's still early days right now and it's obviously been a year and a half kind of since we've played competitive basketball. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take time to maybe even see if anything has kind of transferred over. Um, I mean, I think our Super League year was difficult. We didn't really have a lot of continuity and kind of consistency within the squad. You know, like we a few pros here and there, we'd people come in and come out and it, it was just a tough time. But you mm-hmm. can actually see come like kind of February when we decided to go with no like American or no pro for just for a few weeks to focus on the Irish lads and, to, you know, let, let them play Super League basketball. They started to really understand what we were kind of looking for and what okay. the way other teams played. Um, and it's kind of similar to how we're going now. Like at the moment, we don't have a pro. Um, and I know I was talking to you beforehand, but like we were kind of, going away from bringing in three four professionals we're kind of focusing on the Irish lads I can making sure that they're the ones that benefit and you know that they develop long term. Mm-hmm. As a coach how important is it to reflect not only as we look back on now what's two years ago but during the season how often do you reflect on games and even maybe training sessions? Probably just all the time. I feel like um, my brain is just constantly wired and I'm constantly thinking. And there's probably times where I overthink and overanalyze, but like I'm uh, like, I would always be reflecting. And, you know, like I'm lucky I have an assistant coach as well myself with the men now. And there's times where I can just sit down and watch and I can reflect even during practice, you know, on certain things on, you know, certain segments of practice. The same when I go home, like I'll always take down notes and I'll ask the assistant coach for his takeaways. And, you know, it's kind of a constant thing. Um, I probably need to learn to switch my brain off sometimes but um, I think it's so important to reflect like because you know it's in terms of awareness you know like you have to be aware and video obviously can be a really big part of that and you know even if you can record practices record yourself you know during timeouts or during practice you can reflect on your own behaviors and actions and you can you can pick up button stuff in that you may not have gotten in real time um but yeah no it's so important to reflect like and I probably do it like all the time do you video your yourself during practices and uh, um it? this season I haven't started yet but I will be like it was one of okay. the things that you know had t- been talked about even during the level two course that we that the coaching course that's going on at the moment and during my master's like I would have done it a little bit a couple of years ago during the master's and it was something that I wanted to take forward so like I have have got everything set up I've actually ordered like a mic from Amazon to be able to oh, attach right. myself during yeah. practice yeah so it'll be like connected to the iPad or whatever so I'll be able to kind of um do it there but like yeah no it's something I remember I had a meeting with um JP Nurban actually going back when we just come out of kind of lockdown I met him for a cup of coffee and he was chatting about different things and he was the Liffey Celtics head coach last year um, and didn't get to stay on with them this season and like he runs like a coaching culture like podcast and you know he has yes, his own I've listened to him actually yeah, I yeah the name. so he has his own kind of channel and stuff like that so he gave me a lot of advice on that sort of thing like in you know in terms of awareness and reflection so no it, it is something that I'm going to have to adapt. How did you find the first time uh, listening to yourself on video or and watching yourself? 
Yeah, it's really weird. Um, <laughs> you just have to be open, you know, like, and then I suppose one of the other biggest ways like to reflect, and I know it's talked about a lot is actually just questioning your athletes. Like, you know, like right. one of the things that we did at the beginning of this preseason was that we asked the players what they expected from us. So like, you know, like it's in terms of us also being able to kind of give feedback to athletes like as coaches you have to be open to receive feedback as well from your players so sometimes okay. it can be hard to hear you know like if someone says something and that you feel like it's negative but like it's mm-hmm. important not to be defensive and to understand like that you're a part of this person's life like and if you are affecting them in a certain way it matters so you know okay. I think feedback that way is important too through the players. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned there about taking notes during practice. What are you kind of noting down? Is it more like, are you looking more at the drills? Are you now trying to maybe think forward to the game and how it's all going to translate? Or what do you actually note down? Uh, I may not take actual like kind of written notes during practice. I'll be kind of taking them mentally and then I'll put them in my phone or I might take them in my phone kind of at times. But more like at the moment we're looking at, so we set our values and kind of, you know non-negotiables and standards and stuff like that as well during the meeting so I'm kind of taking note of that and um, the assistant actually is kind of doing a lot of that um Paul so I would be looking kind of on at some of the basketball side of things just kind of everything like you know stuff that might stand out stuff that players might say during you know sessions like at the, at the same time like it's important for them to discover things themselves so sometimes when you put them in a situation the solutions just arise by how they're playing. And then you, you look at that and you go, oh, like that actually worked, you know, like, and it was a decision mm-hmm. that they made on the court. Like, so there's just lots of stuff like, you know, that you would note maybe mentally. Um, like I said, my brain can be kind of weird and I remember <laughs> everything. So I write everything down then. What are those values and non-negotiable behaviours that you have as a team out of interest? Um. So, yeah, so we had a chat and we put stuff on the board and we came up with like so, certain words, you know, that were thrown around, but some that are like the majority of them are actually cultural kind of based like and you know a lot of them actually aren't in terms of like x's and o's or stuff that's going to happen on the court we have kind of talked a little bit about what our identity might be in terms of the team like in our style of play but um like some of the words that were thrown around were kind of responsibility discipline consistency effort you know patience um even like values like such as fun um you know like that it has to be fun like like there's just there was there was lots of words thrown around and then we did kind of whittle it down to like three or four kind of of the most like important things that we were going to you know kind of go on Um, some of the biggest things were consistency like like I said like we were and it's a consistency in everything like you know even as from like as coaches as well it was one of the things that they wanted from us was consistency and yeah but like there's you know there's there was a lot in it like there was an awful lot in it that we had to hash out but then we had to kind of pick some of the most important things that we knew that were going to be like absolutely like that was our standard and we're going to meet that and that's the bare minimum like you know is the standard like you know like because we did talk one of the things that we did talk about a lot was playing time because like I have like 14 players on the panel at the moment so it's like mm-hmm. well if everybody's healthy you put 12 on the score sheet you those 12 are still not you know necessarily guaranteed to play so we kind of yeah. talked a little bit about what might determine playing time um meeting the standard was the bare minimum you know so like there's lots of other stuff there that you have to kind of think about too so you know like being open with them in terms of that is important like and obviously that comes down to communication then so you know that Mm -hmm. was another one that was thrown around that you know we have to communicate with one another like coaches to players players to players players to coaches so that's interesting when you're when you're chatting to the players about that responsibility I guess when you get to the adult level particularly at Super League National League international level how much of responsibility is on the players in terms of everything really well like I suppose that's the that's the um 
point we want to get to isn't it was that like they have complete ownership like over the program you know mm-hmm. we talk about like it being like a an athlete centered environment or a person centered environment and that it's not coach centric that's the point you want to get to is that as coaches we can empower the players to develop their own competence their ownership yeah. that they build connections you know with me with each other and that they're the ones that are actually the ones like that are their pro their problem solving they're the ones coming up with solutions so like that is the point that we want to get to is that the ownership is on them it can be kind of led by the coaches but it has to be driven by the athletes themselves yeah I coach um underage ladies football and I'm I that's what I want to do is we want to impair the players but how do I go about that particularly maybe if there's any coaches from listening from an underage level how do you start to impair the players at a younger age um it's hard like I think a lot of it does come down to questioning um, and being able to ask the right question rather than give the right directions. You know, like I, oftentimes you're just, you might be rushed and in a hurry and you just want to tell them the answer and then that's it. And you tell them where they should be, what they should do, what decision they should make. And mm-hmm. it's very easy to fall back into that trap as a coach is that you're telling them. Whereas if you were to able to, if you can ask the right question and have them come up with the solutions mm-hmm. already, then they're on the path to making their own decision and to being more, you know, kind of self-regulated and you know they have autonomy um Mm -hmm. I think you know more often than not then they remember it more when they come up with the solution themselves too or if they ask you the question you know there's I remember listening to a podcast before where a coach talked about how he would only give maybe one or two pieces of information something would happen where let's say defensively they did I don't know they made a read and then the players stopped and were like oh what do I do in that situation and then you might ask them well what do you think and if they don't give the right answer, then maybe you can give them the answer. But now they'll remember it because they're the ones that stopped and asked you, you know, because they were in that position themselves. So straight away, then they'll have a better understanding of it. Whereas if you just regurgitate a bunch of information, it's more likely not going to stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You mentioned a couple of times there about your assistant coach. How do you find it hard to now delegate as a head coach? Or do you find maybe because you were an assistant before, that you you don't find as hard like let's say for example if you if you had taken that head coach job originally maybe it would have been a little bit different because you wouldn't have had that experience as an assistant coach yeah I think like there's definitely times where it's probably hard that I think lots of head coaches even though they might say they're not are a bit you know a bit of control freaks and you're like you want just to do things yourself and you know you have things in your own head and your own methods and it's hard but it's I find that having an assistant like makes me communicate more like it makes me explain what my thought process might be makes me understand it more like I think with the assistant at the moment like he has specific role like you know that helps me a lot because it means that maybe I don't have to focus on that so much and you know like I can focus on other things and it was the same when I was with Rob like Rob would have given me an awful lot of responsibility which I really appreciated because it helped me a lot Um, Mm -hmm. and you know there was never a time where we didn't you know get along or, or that we didn't you know kind of work well together so I think as like yeah like it, it 100% comes from me being an assistant and I've been an assistant in different environments and you know and with different teams so I think mm-hmm. and makes you appreciate an assistant coach then and value them and make sure that they feel valued so I think that's one of my biggest goals as well is to make sure that whoever I have as my assistants like even with some of the underage teams I have like I have assistant coaches and they're players within the club or maybe players that I coached previously on underage teams and you're kind of you're you're a mentor to them as well like you know so you have to make sure that you kind of play that role well. Who were your mentors as you were starting to to get into coaching out of interest? Um, Well I know I mentioned Rob before like he would have been one of them because he even coached me when I was younger. I, okay. I He was one of my coaches when I was 13 or 14 Um, 
I think on my previous podcast with you, I definitely mentioned my parents because the two of them coach a lot. My mom mm-hmm. coaches basketball. She was my first basketball coach. And then my dad coaches Hurling and Camogie. So we're a house full of sports people and coaches. So definitely my parents, like they would have been kind of the, you know, my mentors and role models in that sense. Cause like we can have conversations about sport, about coaching, about building relationships, about like, you know, communication everything in the house so um yeah kind of they'd be probably the three main ones how important is it as maybe a young coach or any coach really to have a mentor and have someone that you can go to that's nerdy like you mentioned your parents they're not they're not involved let's say with with Dublin Lions they don't have a role but how valuable is it then to go to someone and talk to them maybe about something when they when they're kind of separate from that group let's say yeah no it's really important like because there's times where you need to vent you know like and that you need to just go off on one and you know you could be frustrated with yourself with your players with you know people and it might be all this built up kind of tension and like you know it's important obviously to kind of reflect yourself too but it is really nice to have people outside of your circle to go to like it's very important like I know like JP I mentioned him before like he's one of the ones that I did, would have been able to text or talk to you know like I mean we met that one time I know he's extremely busy so I haven't actually contacted him in a while but um you know he was somebody that had said that I could pick up the phone to him and there's other coaches around the country that you know are coaching at different levels that I know that I could pick up the phone to as well and talk to like I said like coaches are quite willing to help and you know like to share their experiences and to even just listen you know, sometimes that's all you need is for somebody to just listen to you because it can be quite lonely. And, you know, I haven't felt that yet, but that's what I've heard from people is that okay. sometimes coaching can be quite lonely, you know, as a head coach, um, especially if there's maybe some adversity and, you know, you just don't know what way things are going to go. So I am kind of mentally prepared that, you know, there could be stuff in the season that, you know, that you have to go to some, someone else, you know, for help or to just listen. You mentioned there chatting to your parents about um building relationships. How do you actually build a relationship with players and get that connection from let's say let's say I walk into the gym and I don't know you, how do you then build a relationship with me? Um, well I suppose it's just really important as a coach to know that you're coaching the person, you know, and you're not actually coaching the sport. Like you're you're coaching the people and the players and the kids and the athletes that come into the gym and that you have to understand the needs and the values and the priorities of that actual person that walks into the gym and that's standing mm-hmm. in front of you. And like, I think when you come to that realization, cause like sometimes it can take a while or sometimes people never come to it, but it does allow you to connect more with them and it'll kind of inspire them to perform at higher levels because they know that you care about them. So, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's really important. I know I mentioned creating like a person centered or an athlete centered environment that like you can't view the athletes as a collective group with the exact same needs, you know, like more often than not, um those that like the knowledge then transfer like it doesn't it, it just becomes one directional like you know it becomes like a coach to athlete rather than it being like a collaborative kind of approach so mm-hmm. I think when you're creating that environment it's important to know that I think like open conversations like you know like how are you you know how is work how is school like you know like literally just talking to the person about any other things that are not basketball related you know I know it yeah. seems quite obvious but like sometimes it's hard um, you, like you know you need to know about your players as people and you know what what their situation is like and I know it's probably like you know some coaches may seem to be more approachable than others um and I think something for me anyway is that I was kind of told that I was you know approachable or that I was kind of open and that I was that that was something that you know was a positive in terms of people would generally be able feel okay with talking to me like and it's you know there's a trust there um but like that kind of results then in an environment where you know, it's not like it's not going to be coach to player. 
you know yeah. and it's not what you know it, it is going to be a collaborative approach then why do you I think, think if, oh sorry go ahead no no I was just going to say like that sometimes the flip side then if you don't build those relationships and if it's just like I'm the coach you're the players and that's it and you know I'm coaching basketball and I'm only there to teach like X's and O's and to try and teach mm-hmm. the game that that's where it becomes like where I'm telling them what to do and then accuracy is valued more over like discovery or athlete discovery where they're actually learning to love the game and they're learning to come up with solutions and to actually play yeah yeah I know what you mean and then particularly let's say if if something goes wrong when you don't have that relationship everything will then crumble because it's like you're nearly waiting for something to happen the ice to crack and then when something goes bad because you don't have that relationship you know it's gone and maybe someone would leave the team or, or something really bad like that yeah yeah I just feel like it just helps the environment and it makes it more like it makes it fun like do you know that way like like you know it, you're not there to be transactional you know like you're yeah. there to meet people and to build mm-hmm. connections and to enjoy you know each other's company and to play the game that we love to play along the way mm-hmm. out of interest why do you think that person said you were approachable or open or why do you what do you think why do you think they called you that or maybe what do you think what attributes do you have that allows you to be approachable and open as a coach um I don't know like so one of the I know I talked about feedback earlier on like and about asking your players you know like what what they need from you and you know what you can do better and this kind of thing and like you know I would have done kind of little surveys in the past with some of my players like about what it was like to play for me and you know like I okay. said sometimes it's hard like it, it's important for your own development you know as a coach um but I just think it probably comes down to I, I know I said it already but my parents like and in particular my dad I know with his hurlers and his like kind of Kamogi players that he's had in the past like he's always been somebody that everyone has said oh he's a real people person and you know people can go to him and he always was like it would have been not a not a joke so it's not a joke but he'd be almost like a a team therapist or somebody that okay. like, people would go to and I don't know I feel like maybe I kind of got some of those attributes that he had and I just feel like that you know I do build relationships with players to a point where that they feel like they can talk to me about stuff and it's important for coaches to know these things and of course there's always going to be you know like a line where um you're playing you are coaching basketball too but Mm -hmm. it's the person that you're coaching and you know you need to understand what's going on because in terms of performance then or if you have a player that isn't performing well or let's say misses a training session or whatever it is and that you're not just going to be transactional and be like well he missed training and that's it he's not going to play at the weekend or you know or whatever it is like that might sway your decisions in terms of your coaching kind of decisions then Mm -hmm. you know or what is going to be of course you have to have the team's best interest at heart but it's going to be those, those individual players that have different needs and that have mm-hmm. different home situations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a book that I'm reading at the moment, actually, that one of the things he suggests in the book that you ask as a coach, that you ask your players to finish the sentence, uh, one thing I wish my coach knew about me. And it was something like a an exercise that he did with his underage kids. And he said, like, some of the stuff that they might come back with would quite shock you. And he, some, of the, some of the kids might say, something funny or something lighthearted and then others might come back with something a little bit more serious that might explain a lot about why they even play the sport so I think that's extremely important as well to take on board that's really interesting I'm definitely going to rob that from you but I was interested with the survey as well I think I might rob this as well but what kind of questions would you ask your players um after you coach them um I've done it a couple of times with certain people where you just might ask them how it feels to be coached by you um you know just generalized like feedback, what you could do better, you know, whether it's even during timeouts or during sessions or during games. And, you know, like there might be certain players, because I know like 
Um, it's obviously important as coaches to give feedback, like I talked about before, but some of your players may end up being able to kind of regulate you as well or, you know, use certain keywords even during games. I know it was something that we talked about before, like there was on the coaching course as well, like was that it's important even for players to be able to, you know, regulate their coach or, or you know, like intervene mm-hmm. sometimes. Like yeah. if you're being unacceptable or if there's something that you need to get your head screwed back on again, you know, like yeah. it's important that players have that, you know, like permission to do that and coaches have the you know they give them permission to do that yeah yeah I know what you mean do you use sort of any reminder whether it's for yourself or with your players do you have sort of like a a word that you is it or even just like reset do you use that a lot with your players just to kind of remember just to switch back on and keep focused yeah well in particular with the players like during sessions and stuff like that we would encourage them a lot to call their own timeouts and you know to try and give each other feedback as much as possible. Um, I know you probably heard of the rule of three, like with Mark Bennett and the implementation mm-hmm. of rule of three, like that's something that we're really are trying to do because I think a couple of years ago before it would have been mainly all kind of coach to player. And we're really trying to like that, empower them and give them ownership of the program. So obviously the first rule is that you try and regulate yourself. You know, you get yourself back up to a standard and you it, it's about being self-aware as well, like, you know, about what's going on in the game and for you to be able to recognise, okay, look, look, last couple of possessions, I wasn't acceptable. And then you try and regulate yourself. If that doesn't work, then it's on your teammate. You have to be open to receive, you know, a bit of feedback. You have yeah. to be open, you know, not, not defensive. Like we've seen that before where, you know, a teammate will go up to someone and then it's bought and it's defensive straight away. Yeah. Um, you know, so like there's lots of ways that we're trying to kind of encourage them to do it. And then obviously then last, like last resort coach steps in and tries to regulate the player. So there is certain players at the moment, actually, that I would have like kind of keywords for that I would, we would talk about like you know what kind of success might look like and if they get themselves into a state where they're frustrated what they might need and um, mm-hmm. you know so I've had a couple of conversations with certain players that may struggle to kind of regulate themselves during games already and you know we've talked about what strategies we might be able to do to kind of help that and um, which is good so I mean we've only had a couple of practices and one preseason game so I mean it's going to take a bit of time and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's going to be stages in the season where you know things might go a bit mad and then you know we have to be able to kind of come out of that then and problem solve and get ourselves back on track so it'll be interesting yeah exactly I'm interested you mentioned there loads of feedback and even from your surveys how do you think that were you always open to that feedback was that something you had to work on or was that did you always literally look for that feedback um it's a bit of both I'd say like you know like I've probably been coaching basketball like since I was 15 so I was young I was a kid you know like I didn't I was taking under 10 team remember I mentioned before with Anya O'Connor and we would never you know like that would have been just we were super league players or players at the time in the club um and that wouldn't have been a thing but I suppose more so when I went and did my master's um it would have been the case of they were common practices used from coaches and by coaches you know Mm -hmm. to try and improve so Mm -hmm. I knew that if I was going to have you know if I was going to develop as a person like I can't expect my players to develop as people and Mm -hmm. you know to have a growth mindset if I don't so you know of course then I have to be open to it and you know like that it's watching yourself back on video asking your assistant coach asking your players even people like my parents that might come to a game they might give me feedback you know like it's just one of those things like you have to be open to it there might be times where yeah I'm maybe defensive and there's times where you might have your own method in your own head as to why you might have done something that someone else doesn't understand um which is also a, a situation too but no I have to say like this season now I'm definitely approaching it with a more open kind of mindset like and making sure that it is a collaborative approach 
how do you think you've evolved as a coach? You mentioned there, like when you're 15, sure you're you're still a kid. Like, but particularly maybe when you t- when you took coaching seriously, maybe through your masters, through your different experiences in a number of different teams. How do you think you've really evolved over the last number of years? Um. Well, I just think there's a number of things that will be a factor. But like in my head, like this is my first year as a as a head coach. You know, so I'm kind of feel like this is the start. Obviously, I've a lot. I have experienced, you know, as assistant coaches, I've been away with some Irish teams, you know, like mm-hmm. I've coached at like different age groups, I've coached boys, I've coached girls, like there's lots of those learnings that help you evolve. But I feel like I, it has to be ever evolving. And, you know, like you have to adapt to certain situations. And mm-hmm. I think this year, like, it's not that we have a clean slate, but it's like, it's, it's completely new. Everybody's been out of basketball for a year and a half. We just have to be grateful to be back on the court. And I'm just, I have to keep learning, you know, like I have to keep mm-hmm. pushing myself and there probably will be times during the season where you'll be stumped over something and I'll may, I'll get it wrong. And, you know, like I have to be open to that as well. And as much and all as it might kill you at the time, it, it, I know the saying like, oh, that you learn more from maybe your losses than you do from your wins or whatever. Like as a coach, you have to be open to that as well. Like if I make a mistake or, you know, like I have to take responsibility, learn from it and then try and adapt. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like obviously I think I have evolved, but like I think the game is ever evolving. People like personalities you know within the team they'll always evolve like you'll have new people coming in and whatever so you just have to be open to kind of be adaptable as well mm-hmm. out of interest um what difference do you kind of see between coaching men and women um like how do you find like approaching the two different genders and kind of do you do you change much when you coach you know you mentioned your girls team and i know it's different because they're adults and, and kids but yeah. do you find much of a difference between the two um so I've never actually coached women, so I've never actually okay. coached like adult women. Um, like that, the opportunity was to coach like Liffey Celtics, which was my previous, which was my team, and they were all my friends. They were my social mm-hmm. circle, so it just wasn't kind of the right fit. But with I have two underage teams, under fourteen boys and under sixteen girls, and uh, yeah, there's there is a difference, of course. Like you know, I think probably meant it's worth mentioning the webinar um that pat o'neill facilitated back in november 2020 with yep. the three women deirdre brennan esther goldsmith and lisa fallon they talked a lot about the differences between men and women um and boys and girls or whatever and like there's physiological and psychological differences so mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of it that you can do very similarly to coach both genders but the differences then can warrant like tailored coaching approaches and you have to mm-hmm. educate yourself on that there's obvious physically like physical differences and hormonal differences and you know anatomical differences like so it, it's just it is really important as a coach to understand again it's it's understanding the person you know like and about why they play I think yeah. like the, one of the biggest differences that straight away I can see and it's under 16 girls under 14 boys under 16 girls not that they're not competitive or that they're not talented but they it's it, a lot of it is very social you know like they wanted to be like kind of socially inclusive yeah. you know they're there for their friends it's fun um you know that's why they play like they play to compete and of course like they want to get better and all that crack but it's proven that you know boys and males are more like kind of linear and analytically driven you know so they might have more of a like kind of competitive it's like a fight or flight mindset so you know it's just important to know that that's the way that they are and that's that's their genetic makeup totally yeah out of interest um how do you balance saying like with communication let's say how do you balance saying enough without overdoing like you kind of mentioned there the root of three and uh, making sure you don't overload your players but how have you found uh communication particularly maybe with the younger kids and versus the adults um it's quite similar to be fair like i am really trying to 
encourage the younger kids to talk as well and to understand what's going on but what you do kind of find I suppose with both is that sometimes they just tell you what you think you know what what they think you want to hear as well and you know they'll just repeat something that you've said and then you're like do you really understand what (laughs) I just said or what we said or or, you know or what I asked or you just telling me what you think I want to hear so like it's you know you have to kind of know that as well but um a lot of questions still like you know like if there's a timeout there's probably times where I probably talk you know that I do talk too much or I might overload mm-hmm. them and then you know oh god that was overwhelming and they're, they're not going to remember half what you know and it, you have to know that as well but like a couple of key points you maybe ask them what they have seen you know what they've seen in the previous couple of possessions what do we think our focus should be for the next couple of possessions you know like so it's about again it, it's about them coming up with this like with the solutions and that mm-hmm. doesn't change whether it's underage or senior you know like yeah. you know kind of with especially the I have to say like the two underage teams are getting better at actually speaking do you know like there was times where you'd ask a question and it'd be pure silence and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't want to say anything in case it's wrong or do you know I don't know what she what she means and you know it's a it is a process like um and then you get to the point where they all start talking over each other and you know you have four of them telling you stuff and, and you, then you have to be like okay no like one person you know so it, it's a it, it is a real like kind of teaching thing as well and um, yeah. especially with the kids um so yeah no it, it, I suppose questioning again like you know like that has to be one of the biggest things in timeouts where it's not me again giving them the answers or what we're looking for okay out of interest do you have a specific structure for your timeouts or even halftime talks um I'm just in, out of interest because I coach Gaelic football as I said and um I guess the approach with, with the water breaks it, it basically turned into a basketball match because in my head I had the four quarters laid out and yeah. I, had a, I had a specific structure for my timeouts my water breaks but I'm interested to hear as a basketball coach do you have a specific structure to to those talks um probably without knowing that it was structured you know like I didn't okay. do it purposely and it wasn't like set out that way and I know my goal kind of with the men in particular would be let's say for myself and the assistant coach to chat for a few seconds maybe like just at the time at the start of the timeout and let the players maybe talk a little bit amongst themselves and then we might come in and chat to them ask a question see what they think if it's something specific where let's say I'm drawing a play up out of a timeout or out, of, you know, then that's different. Then I'm like maybe drawing up something on the board, like an out of bounds yeah. or a sideline or whatever. Um, but like a generalized timeout, it also depends on who called it. Do you know, like okay. if it was something from the other team, do you know, like then it's obviously maybe to kill momentum or we are doing something well or whatever it is. So generally like you would take the, I know like the sandwich approach of giving positive feedback and, you know, reinforcing something that was good you know, maybe something that we could look at to change a little bit or something that's construct- constructive. And then when they go back out onto the court, then that they remember whatever it is, like that's important, that you know, that they need to remember. Um, yeah. But no, like I wouldn't have like a generalized kind of structure. You have one minute, okay. like, you know, like you have to be kind of intentional as well of to what, you know, what goes on. Some yeah. we get right, some we probably get wrong. And, you know, that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, how so do you what would your structure be with your... Oh yeah, with the you know, water breaks. Yeah, yeah. I, I developed this with... Um, with, it was an under was it 12 or 13 it was last year during COVID and the water breaks were introduced and I remember the first match and it was trying to get some sort of structure on the water breaks because everyone was frantic running around I remember they had put their bottles sure across the other side of the pitch and I was like oh my god but anyway um basically I got them all to put the bottles near each other but I we kind of came up with them um, like I took the rule of threes with them so I did the three things we we're going to do at the match so I did that at the start of the game and then I remember after a couple of weeks I let them choose maybe one of them 
Uh, so I would say two of them. So I remember one in particular, they're really bad at um, when the opposition had a kick out. Oh my God, they just, it was like they just forgot they had to mark anyone. So I was like, that was one of the main ones. And then they would pick one or two of them. And then I remember another one I had for them was like three blocks. And then when they'd come in, let's say in the water break, we'd run through like a checklist. Okay, did we get our three blocks? No, okay, that's our next focus. Did we do this? Did we do that? So it loads of different ones, but I found yeah. the route of three really good. And then in reflecting the game, we could use the Rudy three well girls did we do this well and then I would mention it maybe at, during training sessions but I just found it as a good like the Rudy three like I, d- I remember we did f- at the first match I tried to do maybe four or five and sure they couldn't remember anything yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll stick to the three but yeah it was interesting but I don't know I don't know if the Ruder, the water breaks will stay it'd be interesting to hear but yeah I'm, I'm asking loads of the coaches particularly in GEA because I just I found it interesting having that extra time and then learning how to not overload them because sure we weren't used to it in football so yeah that was just my approach to it but how do you find um encouraging the communication between players particularly maybe when they don't know each other um to kind of give that instruction and um how do you like how do you facilitate that as a coach yeah I think even just the word that you just said in terms of facilitating like that's that's a big thing is that coaches are there to facilitate like practice or whatever like it's not like that I'm there to run a practice or that I'm dictating it like it's to facilitate it so you have to facilitate an environment where it's open for players to be able to communicate with one another and to communicate with you as a coach so I think like especially with the older ones now like a lot of these these lads we have good chemistry like they've played together you know there's not really too many new faces and some returning ones but like you know players that have been there um so I suppose like there is friendships there you know then there's also players like that probably don't get along that well off the court but you have to set that aside for the goals Mm -hmm. of the team you know and then you still have to be able to communicate with another so it has to be purposeful um I think one of the biggest things let's say on court in terms of that specific to basketball stuff we have a couple of younger players like even younger like under 17s under 18s kind of training with us and you know obviously they're very quiet and like they won't say a word you know like and they won't talk on the court you know they don't really speak and you can see the difference then you know in some of the players like that are in their you know early 20s or or they're 20 and they're they've played at a senior level like it has to be kind of constant communication on the court um we talked about the rule of three obviously like and about how they can kind of hold each other accountable like which again had been a problem in the past because certain you know some players might get kind of defensive and then you also see then that some players maybe they try and talk to somebody on the court and tell them you know what they might have done or didn't do but then also you also didn't do it or you didn't do something Mm -hmm. on the last possession so it's kind of getting that balance between like you have to just try and regulate yourself and then then you'll be able to hold someone else accountable because you're meeting the standard and you're doing what you're supposed to do and calling their own timeouts. Like, you know, there might be times during a scrimmage where I might have to call timeout, but like generally we'll try and tell the players like that. If you feel like you need to call timeout, you call timeout and you encourage them to huddle up, you know, like let's say there's a stoppage in play or whatever that they huddle and they might, you know, kind of just regroup those few seconds obviously help. Again, it's not us telling them. It's not us having to call timeout. Because I remember before, myself and Rob used to feel like we could have done with 10 timeouts. And, you know, and there was times during the game where they didn't huddle up and kind of talk to each other about certain possessions. Whereas you can see kind of at the moment, they're doing that a lot better, even in practice. Um, And again, like they have to be kind of open to feedback again. You know, they have to give each other permission. And it is the way in which you say things too. Like we talked about how to give somebody feedback and about how, you know, 
I know one of the things they slagged me for as well, but that I picked <laughs> up from I, that they that I picked up from uh, like podcasts and like JP, it was like the acronym E or N. So it was like encourage, remind, notify. So it was like you encourage your teammates. You can remind them before the action. Let's say you remind them to get over the screen or hedge the screen. And let's say they didn't do it. Then you notify them that they didn't do it. Um, but you take those steps. And when you're notifying them, you know, you kind of take the emotion out of it. You may actually like fist bump them or high five them. You make an eye contact and then you say like, good job at the end, you know, or a uh, good job getting back in transition or whatever. You give them something positive. So again, we're teaching the players to be able to do that as well, that it's not like just start shouting and roaring at someone because they didn't box out or because they didn't get back on defense or, you know, or because they made a mistake. So like there is a way in which you have to give feedback as well, which we're trying to obviously do with them too. That is brilliant. How did you find they had, I know they were slagging you over the ERN, but have you noticed much of a difference with their feedback now? Are they now consciously kind of using that reminder? Yeah, like you can see with some people, especially when things get heated and let's say games are really competitive, they might be very quick to, you know, flip the lid and kind of shout at someone for doing something. And then you kind of have to remind them, you know, like that's not the way we're going to give feedback. Like now in fairness, we don't want to be like, it's not this soft approach of like that you can't, kind of let roar either like you know like yeah. it, that happens like it's sport like and they're men you know like and you know there's a mode there is emotion in it like because they're mm-hmm. passionate about the game and you can't take away that away from the miter and you can't take away that competitiveness so obviously but we we have agreed that it's not personal you know like and that we have to leave that at the door and that you yeah. have to just be open to take it and then at the end you shake hands and then that's done do you know like so there is a balance between it like you know we don't have to constantly trying you know like if you're in the heat at the moment and something happens okay you can say okay look maybe I shouldn't have let a roar there or whatever but it's not personal like so it yeah. just you know it, it, that's the way we all have to look at it and was that something you had to did you sit down maybe with your first session or was that something you realized over time that oh the lads kind of we need to learn how to give feedback to each other um, it was actually something that we talked about last season so we didn't even okay. mention that this season because some of them remembered because they just take the piss out of me for it but um, uh, it was it was just it was something that we did talk about you know because it was it was evident that with some people giving feedback whoever was trying to receive it would be on the defensive straight away you know and regardless of how they were giving feedback so we did talk about literally just being open to receiving it you know but then like I said like there is a balance like if your teammates are constantly like worried about you, then they're not maybe focusing on themselves. So like we do, we do talk about taking responsibility, like an ownership of your own state mm-hmm. and your own performance first. So like mm-hmm. that has to be the way, of course you want your teammates to hold each other accountable. That's where the leadership happens, where it's not coming from me or the assistant coach and it's coming from the players, but you have to take responsibility yourself. How do you find when there's leaders on the team, I could presume you're going to appoint your captain, but how do you approach the leaders on the team and creating a leader? Let's say maybe that's like there's loads of different types of leaders, like my own team, there's really vocal leaders or there's just leaders that, you know, when the game you're down by five points, you know, they're just going to take this game by the scruff of the neck. How do you develop multiple leaders within the team and how do you balance having enough leaders and enough of maybe because sometimes, you know, not everyone needs to be a leader on the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's actually a good question. It was something that I talked to JP about in my meeting with him because I kind of, it was struggle, like I would be struggling to see like, you know, where it might come from. Like we have, like our captain, he's um, experienced, like he's been there from the start of when Lions first kind of went National League. Like he's actually one of the older players on the team okay. um, and like he's very well respected, you know, always speaks very logically. Um, but we want like, 
this could be possibly his last year of playing. So okay. we're kind of like, oh, and he kind of said that to me, like, you know, like that he may not be around a bit, you know, like, so there's other circumstances there that, you know, he wants to play one more year after missing out on the, you know, season last year or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the really young group and it's like, well, who is going to be, you know, maybe vocal or like this. So at the moment, like it's obviously only been a couple of weeks. Like I have been impressed by a lot of them, like and how they've kind of carried themselves and how they led in different ways. But like, I think just like we talked about like facilitating practice in a way where it's creating an open environment they'll kind of emerge a little bit and um, mm-hmm. you know and then it will kind of come to light then who you can go to like I've had different conversations with different people about their roles and you know you know you don't want to give too much responsibility to certain people maybe that are only coming back in and you want them to focus on other things so we just kind of have to be kind of intentional about who we may be given responsibility to and you know like I, the whole title of captain and you know like leaders like I don't really I don't think it really matters like you know like way yeah. like I just think it's just it's important to have leaders but like you don't necessarily have to name them or you know like you kind of know when you're playing you know like even I remember like there was a couple of us when we were playing Super League like you know like you may not have been the captain but like you still do what leaders do and you know like yeah. and that's just the way it is like so that's what I would like us to get to is that you know we take responsibility for ourselves we hold each other accountable you know they can come and talk to me and you know the, like the whole leader title that'll come yeah yeah exactly did you you mentioned they're sitting down and having a chat with the player about their role is that something you did at the start of the year um so I've kind of I've talked to some people more than once like about so I would have met them actually kind of during the summer or beforehand when we were allowed to kind of go back out and have a cup of coffee and go for a walk and stuff yeah when I was first when I was first kind of made head coach like I kind of met them all or I spoke to some of them over the phone and I met the ones that were kind of local I had a bit of a chat about how they were feeling and I've started to kind of meet them all again now kind of during pre-season that we've had a couple of sessions that we've had one game so over the next couple of weeks I'll make sure that I'll have sat down with all of them at some point in some form of setting or environment to kind of chat spoke to some of them over the phone you know so those like conversations are important like because you know it's so hard like some of them probably expect a lot of themselves come back in but I know I talked about patients at the beginning like you know they just want everything to happen right now overnight and mm. you know it's just you kind of have to remind them that it's going to take time and you know like we just have to buy in and see that in a few weeks time we're going to look totally different than what we look right now and you know even individual performances are only just going to get better with the more we play so like yeah. it's just kind of reminding them that like you know that I'm not kind of too hard on them too early in the season. Yeah, exactly. I, I I remember you did your fusion basketball presentation. I, p- I picked two quotes from it. Um, one of them I thought was really important. We've kind of p- touched on already. Uh, what you praise is important rather than how you praise. Can you explain that one to the listeners a little bit? Um, yeah, so I suppose it can be taken in loads of different contexts. Like, you know, if you're talking about maybe basketball specific stuff or, you know, like I probably would nearly flip it in one way, in a way that like your words or actions and, you know, stuff can stick with players like forever like you don't get to choose what things stick and which ones that those players forget so you know you have to be intentional in everything you say and everything you do because they'll remember certain things and you know like let's say you lose the plot and whatever like they'll remember that or if you say something that you might regret then you know they could remember that like so you have to praise obviously in a way that you want that stuff to stick with your players but Mm -hmm. if you're talking about offense and in particular because I know that was I think that was the context we were talking about at the time was that you know if we do something well and we have a good basketball play and you know we missed a shot or like you know the the outcome isn't the make that we praise what happened before that and if if that's somebody making a good cut you know that Mm -hmm. is after creating space for someone you tell them oh that was a good cut and you know like and like little things like that 
you know in terms of like I don't have to be a cheerleader on the court like or on the yeah. sideline like I don't have to stand there clapping and encouraging and saying well done for every single thing because then it kind of loses value as well so you have to be specific maybe in the small things that you might praise like you know if someone sets a good screen or you know like that extra pass or you know there's just small things that if you praise those things they're more likely to continue playing that type of way totally I think I took another quote from it um about it was about offense offense can't be res- results driven it's process driven as you just said there what happened before we scored we're looking at the process rather than just the outcome of let's say scoring yeah exactly so that that's all it is like you know we're trying to get them to play with a little bit more freedom um you know and kind of with a bit more space in and uh, just like with certain actions and stuff like that. So like if we if we take a good shot, like and it's after coming from, let's say like what well, stuff that we're kind of, uh, you know, concepts that we're kind of looking at, like paint touches, post touches, ball reversals. If we've gotten that within a play and then we miss the shot, that's okay. Do you know, like yeah. th- we, we, we just praise good basketball plays and, you know, we encourage them to make those type of plays, you know, you know, every possession if we can. Um, or more possessions than not. Like, so yeah, that was just exactly. part of that one. Throughout your experience playing or coaching, what do you think is the most underrated skill or attribute in the game? I was thinking it was so hard because there's just so many things and then people might say, oh, that's maybe not underrated or, you know, like that's important. But I think one of the things that I, you know, do kind of stress a little bit as well is about being present, you know, and being and staying grounded and not getting too high or too low. So I know with some of the groups that I've had before during games, you might have certain players that, you know, will be up here when things are going well and you know it's great and then right they'll dip straight back down if something happens like they don't get a call or mm-hmm. the other team go on a run and then you know they're just up and down and then the game might kind of pass them by but like I feel like with those players that can kind of stay in the moment and stay grounded they generally will have like consistent performances and you know you know that you can kind of rely on them like in a mental state like so I feel yeah. like that's probably one of the biggest things and it was something as a player at times where I kind of struggled and used to overanalyze things and I used to kind of have my coach brain on and I sometimes used to have to switch that off and just play and you know there's times where I have to try and remind the lads that like some of them are overthinking and you know it's good that they're thinking and you know that they're seeing things but at the same time then you miss a certain amount of the game because you're overthinking so I think kind of trying to stay grounded and stay present is probably one of the ones that I would go with. Do you think can you teach that or is that more just like a personality or character trait that that the players just develop themselves I don't know it I actually don't know it could be a bit of both like I think with me like I got to the point where I was playing that I knew that I would probably be more of more of a benefit as a coach you know like to people because I felt like when I was playing I just overthought everything and like I used to get in my own head no genuinely I did and like you know I I did I got in my own head and there'd be some games where I was grand and it was fine but then there's other games where I just overthought everything and then you're kind of worried about other people and you're you know like just just over analyzing um, and then it's like paralysis by overanalysis or whatever the yeah, saying is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it could be maybe a bit of both. I, I honestly don't know. What do you define as success? I've asked a couple of people this, but I suppose on the court as a as a player, I don't know if you're still playing. I think you were last year. But um, what do you define as success as a player, as a coach with your team or just overall? What is your definition of success? Um, I suppose this is hard as well. There could be so many, but I know I talked about it throughout. So I think it's... I know like that our season will have been successful or, you know, my time, let's say with Dublin Lions in terms of whatever my contract is or how many seasons that I'm going to be here is that I will have been able to empower the players that they can develop their own confidence and ownership of the programme 
and that they build connections with each other and with me. And it'll have nothing got to do with what we win or whether we get promoted. And, you know, those are all of those things will be a bonus. And of course, you want to create a competitive culture. Um, but it's, you know, it's in how we do that and we can still compete. And it's not like a soft style of kind of coaching in terms of wanting it to be transformational. And um, so I think if it can get to the point where I know that the athletes are taking responsibility and that they own the program and that they don't need to rely on me and that they could run a practice or that they could run a game without really me being there, well, then that'll probably be successful. Brilliant. Particularly with your younger teams, what lessons or values are you trying to instill and teach them, I suppose, as as younger kids learning to learning the love of the game really yeah um it'd be similar like to the men in terms of like you know the biggest thing for them is that we have fun and um, you know like that we facilitate our practice where uh, you know an environment where they all get reps like they all play a lot like lots of small sided games like lots of playing um so you know, that's how they'll develop um that they don't complain so like with the little boys the under 14s they like they like to complain a lot and um, or they did previously at refs you know like because they're extremely competitive like to the point where you're refing a scrimmage outside and you know they want you to call it as if it's if all our finals you know like so there's these things like you know and they complain you know they're very hard on themselves so we had to kind of have a bit of a chat about like you know like just negative <laughs> negativity like a body language and this type of sort of thing so that's kind of my focus with them is to get them kind of really playing together. Like some of them okay. are extremely talented, um, very good, like individually, trying to get them to kind of have that cohesion, like as a group. Um, and that's something they need to kind of learn. And then it, they, I've seen a big difference over the summer in with them. And especially now, I hope that when we get back indoors and we play kind of games that way, then like they'll be, they'll see it a bit more as well. Um, but yeah, like I, it's not going to be too different to the men, like teach them discipline, responsibility, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to be consistent. Like it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's, that's yeah they're the same values really yeah out of interest during your time as a coach and as a player you don't and you don't have to name anyone here but what what separates the good players from the best what do you see is the, the difference there I like I know it's very obvious but like it, it does be a work it's a work ethic thing as well like you know like and it's you, you genuinely players will get rewarded by the work that they put in and it's the same with coaches like you know like I, I know for me like I know during lockdown it was a big thing where uh like there was lots of webinars and you know like podcasts became like a really big thing and it's important like you know to educate yourself so as coaches like for us to be better like we have to do that you have to reflect you have to educate yourself you're not just going to show up week in week out for those two practices and one game you know like Mm -hmm. it's almost like an everyday thing that you're working on yourself and it's the same as a player and like they can be it doesn't always have to be, let's say that you're in the gym every day, like you're looking after your sleep, your nutrition, you know, like you're, you cannot, you, that you can switch off and get your recovery. And then when you're working that you're working your hardest, like, so it's simple really, but not everybody does it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do, you, do you think it's just a choice you have to make as players? Sometimes players make it subconsciously because I know I think of people just have this phenomenal work, work ethic and I don't think they've ever had to sit themselves down and say, look, I just need to work really hard. But I know other players that need to have that conversation with themselves and just say, look, I just need to ramp this up here. Yeah, no, I do think it's a choice because I know like it's like that. You look at the likes of Kobe Bryant and, you know, people in the sport that are the best, the best, like that they would say that everybody has the same 24 hours in the day. Like, you know, it's what you do at that time that is going to what you're going to get back out of it. So, yeah, I think it is a choice. 
Uh, what are your thoughts or op- um, on the opportunities or maybe lack of for coaches development, uh, maybe particularly for females in Ireland now? I know since I've written this question, all I've seen on my timeline on Twitter is loads of coaching opportunities for females and loads of programs from Sport Ireland and Basketball Ireland. Like in fairness, it has really, really improved. But what do you think? What do you think is the next step? How do we get more female coaches involved in the sport, whether it's basketball or other sports as well? Um, I think the first thing is that we provide the opportunities, you know, like even like at the moment, I have different talks with like Louisa Lockton's our women in sport lead in Westbury. And, you know, like I'd be communicating with her around different things that we can do in terms of mentorship and, you know, things like that. But I think, again, it women have to want to do it. Like, you know, like that's what it boils down to, too, is that like, you know, if it's not a priority for them, well, then fine. You know, they're doing other things. That's grand. But if we provide the opportunity and we try and put things in place and then we learn from it, like if it doesn't go well, you know, yeah. that we can, we can adjust, you know, but we need people to want to take part in it. And we, you know, that, that want to actually improve and get involved in coaching, you know, like, because that's where it starts. Um, so, yeah, no, I think the, the, the onus is on the actual women themselves, you know, to actually put themselves forward then for certain positions and to get involved in whatever program. Now we have to put up, put, put together programs and make sure that there's, you know, opportunities in place. But uh, mm. yeah, I think it has to be a thing where they decide again that they're going to put themselves forward for it. Yeah, you mentioned there a few minutes ago about, you know, coaches can't just show up to two training sessions a week in a match. It's always continuous learning. And you've mentioned books and podcasts, but is there any particular book or podcast that you'd recommend to any coaches listening or really any resources that you've just found really helpful uh, as your growth and development as a coach? Um, At the moment, I, I probably will just go with the book that I'm actually reading at the moment. I'm nearly finished it, but it's... Uh, JP actually gave it to me a couple of weeks or going back at the kind of during the summer and it's called Every Moment Matters by John O'Sullivan and again it's just about coaches around the world there's like little anecdotes and stuff in it it's about basketball but like they he talks about other sports as well and coaches experiences and it's all kind of about like relationships and connections and you know how to kind of like that create that athlete-centered kind of environment so like I'm enjoying it it's a light enough read like you know it's it's just it's nice like to kind of you know read about other people's experiences as well and yeah. that's where the thing came from in terms of somebody had asked their players um one thing I wish my coach like knew about me so like mm-hmm. just just little things in that like little kind of tasks that you can actually kind of take from it that um you can kind of bring forward to your own teams and program as well brilliant look Aaron, thanks so much for your time thoroughly enjoyed that there's loads of teaching points there for everyone I've notes down beside me for all day but thank you so much I just want to wish you the very best of luck with Dublin Lions and beyond and I'm looking forward to keeping in touch again Thanks so much, Dorla. Thanks, Millie. I enjoyed it as well. A massive thank you to Aaron for joining me today. I took plenty of notes during our chat and I hope you got something from it. I'll be sure to leave all of our social media links in the description box below. If you did enjoy the episode and you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review as it does help the show grow. Don't forget to check out the brand new website, thesideoutlive.com for more. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.